Hey, good morning. Uh, most of us in the room, if we were to ask, would probably say uh, that we're familiar uh, with the story of the Good Samaritan. Uh, if you grew up in church, I guarantee you heard it in Sunday school. Many of you could probably uh, recite the story. Some of us, it would be a new story to us. So uh, let, let me just kind of walk us through that particular story because it lands us today, what we need to talk about. Jesus uh, telling a parable, which is a story that has a lesson behind it. Uh, told the story of the Good Samaritan, and that story went something like this. Uh, there was a Jewish fellow uh, walking down the road one day, traveling, and on his way, thieves uh, jumped him, stole all of uh, his money, left him basically for dead on the side of the road. So as he's laying there, it just so happens that a fellow Israelite, a fellow Jew, matter of fact, a priest comes walking down the road, notices him on the side of the road, moves over a little and keeps on going. A little while later, another Jewish man, a Levite, uh, people who were given primary care for spiritual things within the country, uh, happens down the same road, sees his fellow Jew there on the side of the road and hurries on by. Jesus then says there was a third man, a Samaritan, a guy who, because of his ethnicity, because of his background, had a lifelong struggle with the Jews. You see, what had happened is that when Jews had earlier been taken into the Babylonian captivity, the Babylonians had left some of the women and some of the old men behind along with some soldiers. Those soldiers intermarried with the women. So, the Samaritans ended up being the half-breeds, the half-and-half Babylonian who were their enemies, half-Jew. And so, when the Israelites came back to Israel, they resented the Samaritans. A Samaritan happens to walk down the road, and as he walks down the road, sees this Jewish fellow laying there on the side and stops and has compassion on him. Matter of fact, renders aid to him, takes him down the road to the uh, in and then says to the innkeeper, look, here's money to take care of this man. I'm coming back through. When I come back through again, I'll pay you anything else uh, that you lay out to make sure this guy is okay. Jesus then asked the question and said, who was a neighbor to that man? To which everyone answered and said, well, of course, the Samaritan was the neighbor. Can I say to you this morning that when I hear that story, when, whenever a preacher preaches it or whenever I read through it in Scripture, I'm a little bit fearful that I am more like the guys who walked on by than like the guy who stopped. See, matter of fact, as soon as I hear the story, I can already play out in my mind what those guys who walked on by were saying to themselves. Because you, you get it. They saw the moment. I mean, they were there. They looked over. They saw this guy. They knew he was in need. And, and chances are, I, I don't think they were necessarily just vile, mean guys. I think, I think they had plenty of good reasons why they hurried on, or at least reasons they thought were good. See, if you're the priest, I think the priest is going, look, I, I've already had two appointments this morning. They're waiting for me at the temple to teach the next. And then I got three appointments after. There's no way. Hope somebody helps. See, I think the Levite, he goes by, he looks over, he goes, oh, man, 
not today. Are you kidding me? Have you seen my... I'm, I'm already 20 minutes late getting the camel into the mechanic. See, my, my best guess is these guys had plenty of, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of stuff on their schedule. You ready for this? They had plenty of good things, necessary things, important things that they had to get to. This, this became highly inconvenient. This became why today in their lives. And they simply looked, they diagnosed the moment, they said, I wish I could. I get, I get that God's inviting me to help my fellow. I, I can't. I can't. Someone who has more time is going to have to do that. I wonder how often in our lives that God invites you and me to do something with Him, to do something that really, 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 really matters. And we're too busy. And we look at God and we go, God, I, I wish I could. I, I, I'd love to. I mean, it's, it's a great idea, but I mean, have you seen what I'm already committed? There's no way I can fit that in my life. I mean, what were you thinking when you asked? You notice that Scripture never tells us what those guys were so busy about. It never says, well, here's where the priests are. Here. You and I are left to wonder because, get the moment, whatever it was that had consumed their lives, whatever it was that made them so busy that this guy was inconvenient, that you ready, that the call of God and the opportunity to do something eternal was so inconvenient, whatever that was that drove their lives, in the end, mattered so little that it wasn't worth mentioning in the story. Here's what those men were missing. Margin. Margin. You ready? Room within their schedule so that when God asked, when God would call, when God would say, would you join me because I've got this amazing thing that I'm doing, I've got this thing, I'm going to bless someone's life, this is how I'm going to change the world. When God offered the invitation, they had to say to God, God, look, I'm too busy for you right now. God, if you would simply go to the end of the line, I'm pretty sure eventually I'll be able to make time for you. If you came to this room today, and especially as a Christ follower, and you go, I think I'm one of the guys. I think I'm one of the guys who walks on by. I think if I was really honest about my time, my, my schedule is so leveraged, so maxed, that if God were to invite me to join him, if God were to say, would you teach this Sunday school class, if God were to say, would you be agree, if God even asked his invitation would be inconvenient, and I'd have to ask him to wait until my schedule cleared. Here's what we've got to get today. The wonder of God, the best things of God, the invitations of God will only be responded to if you and I have margin. 
if you and I have left on purpose room for God to work inside our schedule. Let's talk. Let's talk about this, because here's the reality, guys. Guys, every one of us has, has got the same amount of time, right? We, 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 everyone has 24 hours. As a matter of fact, it's really kind of the first thing that you and I need to just say to each other. Everybody has 24-hour days. Everybody has 1,440 minutes in a day. And what we're going to choose, we will decide through the course of that day how to use those minutes. And if you and I are leveraged to the max, we've made decisions along the way that have gotten us to the point of being leveraged. Some of us will say, well, no, Lynn, you don't get it. I, I've got this boss who's really demanding, and I've got this wife who has high expectations, or I've got this husband who kind of demands, and then there's the PTA, and no, no, no. You and I, you and I have placed ourselves in positions in which those decisions are made. And at the end of the day, here's what you need to know. Time is limited. There, there's only so much time. There's only so much time in my day, and you ready? In the rest of my life. Heard a story of a guy. Got to his 50th birthday, and all of a sudden, mortality starts to sink in. I mean, you know, you go, well, okay, I'm 50. I, prob I probably, in all likelihood, have lived more than half of my life at this point. So it caused him to do a little bit of reflecting, a little bit of thinking, and he said, well, even if I live, if I live a normal life expand, a normal life, how much more time do I probably have? And here's what he did. He got a calculator out, and he kind of, how many more weeks would be in my life? So lived about 75, lived to 80, somewhere, 1,300 weeks, so 50 on. So here's what he does. He goes to the store, he buys a big old glass jar, goes to the toy store, buys 1,300 marbles, pours 1,300 marbles in the jar. Then every Saturday, when he got up in the morning, first thing he did was walk over, grab a marble, drop it in the trash can. His wife said, that's morbid. That's <laughs> just weird. Here's what he said in response. He says, I, I know it's a little different, but I have never been more aware that I only have so much time, and it's limited. And I better make the most of my 1,300 marbles. See, at the end of the day, Every one of us in this room, our time is limited. And if you want to really, really, really let it sink in, and none of us knows how many marbles are left. Second thing about time. Your time will get spent. It just does. You get to the end of the day, you'll have spent your, whatever that is, whether you watch TV or whether you went out in the back porch and sipped some coffee, and whatever it is, Every second of every day gets spent. In other words, no rollover minutes. Okay? I don't care what the phone company says. No rollover minutes. So you can't get to the end of your life and all of a sudden the Grim Reaper comes to take you and you go, whoa, 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 whoa. Rollover minutes. Still got some more time. Want to cash them in? You can't because the, the, at the end of every day, every second gets used. That, that day is gone. It's done. So how do we get 
if we know that, how do we get so leveraged in our lives? How do we get so maxed in our lives? And how come some people don't get to that same place? What, what do they know and understand is different than what you and I do who get ourselves just pushed to the edge? And you know what the reality is? Those of us in this room who constantly find ourselves just pushed, just maxed out, they, they would say, Lynn, I, I get it. If, if God asked, I'd, I'd have to tell him to wait. The answer is, is that you and I have been trying to put more and more and more and more and more and more into the same 24 hours. See, here, here, here's what happens. See, we, we get, we get uh, going in our lives, and we've got same 24 hours, same time limits, same amount of time. And then someone comes and says, hey, you know what, I've got this really great opportunity. How would, would you like to come play basketball with some of the guys? We get together before work, and we hang out and play basketball. It would be a great time to have some fellowship. Besides, you could use it. And, and we go, no, you know what, that, that's kind of good. I could kill two birds with one stone. That would that, be a good thing to do. Somebody says, hey, uh, wouldn't you like to volunteer in your kid's classroom? I mean, how much better would it be? You know, we have to support our educational system, and you'd get to be with your kid and see kind of what's going on. You go, well, no, that, that, that'd, be, no that'd be a good thing. So someone comes and says, uh, uh, you know, uh, I've, got, I've got an opportunity for you that we, we just get together about uh, once a month, and we just, you know, kind of sit and talk about the Bible and do, you know, okay, that'd be, that's a good thing to do. I mean, why would you do that? And see, what we do is, here, ready for this? You and I keep adding good things to our schedule, and we never think in that process, what am I not going to do? What am I going to take out? Because... It, if I took anything out, I'd have to take a good thing out. And so we just keep adding and adding and more and more. And then comes urgent. And then comes the phone call that says, look, 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 did you hear what happened? We need you here right now. If you don't come, you realize it's going to fall apart. You realize it will fail if you don't show up. You get that's untenable, right? First time your kids decide to be kids, this is going to pop. You're going to be kicking the dog. You're going to be saying things to your spouse. There's no margin. And how dare your kids be kids? First time the car breaks down. First, first time an unexpected meeting shows up. And then lo and behold, somewhere in there, God calls. Are you kidding me? Hasn't he seen my schedule? Doesn't, doesn't, doesn't he get life?
there will always be more good to do. You, you get this. <laughs> Cheap balloon. All right. Get that the list of good things you could potentially do will always be unfinished. That if, that if really, if, if, if the criteria for which it gets included in your life, you'll spend your life being guilty because there's still 30 more good things you could add. And you haven't. So what does that say about you? If that's really how this gets filled. You, you get that urgent in my life that urgent in my life often has an awful lot to do with ego. See, it feels so great that that thing will fail without me. I mean, I, I guess I, I guess, I guess I better show up. I mean, really, the world will end. Well, I guess I better go. It's deeply flattering. You, you get that sometimes urgent is just about fear. What would people think if I didn't? I mean, I mean, what happens if I get invited to the family reunion and I, and I don't go? I mean, am I going to be the lousy daughter-in-law? You get sometimes that urgent is just fear. Got to find a way. When our church was 300, I... I did a lot of things, had a lot of jobs, a lot of responsibilities around the church, and that's just what you do when your church is 300. Used to do all the weddings, used to do all the funerals, used to do all the counseling in the church. Gets a little different when your church is 6,000. And I remember coming to the crossroads and said, I, I just don't think I can keep up with the counseling load that's going on at our, I, just, I, don't, ha I don't know how to do this. Can I tell you that in that moment, my heart was gripped with fear, because I thought to myself, what, what, what will people think of their pastor if he stops counseling? I mean, isn't that a good thing? Isn't that what pastors are supposed to do? Aren't they? I mean, what? You get that it doesn't work, right? Someone said, stop blowing it up so much. That's the point of the message. So I thought to myself, what are people going to think if I don't counsel? So here's what I did. I tried to keep counseling. And so I said to my secretary, look, you can schedule an hour for counseling. It took people 55 minutes just to tell me what was wrong. So I'd have the last five minutes to say, don't do that ever again. Bye. God bless you as you leave. You know, I had to get a point and go, fear or not, I'm not doing anybody any good. I'm doing this because I'm worried about what people will think if I don't. There's four or five pastors on our staff who counsel better than me. You get sometimes what fills this up, what seems so urgent is 
fear-based. You want to hear something really scary? Since you and I have all got the same 24 hours, since this only stretches so far, if this is you and me, how do you get margin? How do you, how do you find room in this that if God were to come and ask, if God were to say, hey, there's someone laying on the side of the road and I need you to stop, that you and I wouldn't tell God to go to the end of the line because our schedule was too busy for God to ask. How do you do that? Which means, you ready? You're going to have to say no to some good stuff. It, you and I may discover there's not enough room in my life for very much good stuff. I, I can do one or two or three good things in my week, but if I'm going to truly have margin, if I'm going to have room for God to speak, if I'm going to have the ability to listen and not explode every time something new comes in my life, I can't do seven good things. I can do two good things or three good things because I need margin. I can't miss the eternal thing because my life is already filled with good things. And I'm going to have to take some of the urgent and say, I'm sorry, if, if, it, if it falls apart with me, not, I guess it falls apart. And that's terrifying, isn't it? It's the reason you and I haven't done it. Because we know people will be mad. We know people will think less than us. The truth is, I'm worried I might miss out on something in life. I, I have, the reality is if you're, if you came to the room like this, you're terrified of this. So let me ask you a question. How would a follower of God what would a follower of God do now when he knows this is true, when she knows this is true? I had a great question. How would a follower of God ask for margin? Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Job. <laughs> Some of you are laughing because you heard you. Some of you guys are going, what, what's wrong? I saw the book of Job the other day. <laughs> book of Job. Here's the easiest way to get there. Go to the middle of your Bible, pop it open. You're probably going to find the book of Psalms. Turn left. You're going to find this book of Job. Job is having a conversation with God. And in the middle of wrestling with God, here's what Job says. It's Job chapter 14. It's verse 5. Here's what he says. Man's days are determined. You, talking to God, you have decreed the number of his months and have set limits that he cannot exceed. You, you, you get what Job just said. Hey, God, uh, 
the only reason I've got these days, the only reason I've got these 24 hours or this week or this month, the only reason I've got this is because you gave them to me. It's the only reason I've got them. You know, that's kind of weird. Maybe that's, that's kind of like spiritualizing the moment. You know you know this, right? Go to a doctor's appointment. Have the doctor say, cancer. And I know what you'll do in the car on the way home. You'll pray. And your prayer will go something like this. Dear God, dear God, dear God, please give me more days. Because you and I both know when we really get down and the rubber meets the road that it is God who holds my days. Go to a funeral. Go, go to a funeral where a 20-year-old has died. Watch the ache and the confusion and the anger and the frustration in the room because everybody, whether they have the courage to say it out loud or not, is asking the same question. How come God cut their days short? Why didn't God give them more days? Because in the end, you and I know that I got my days from God. What would it mean? What would it mean to surrender them back? What would it mean to say to God, God, look, My life is maxed, and I'm terrified about what it means. But you gave me this day. You dreamed, you hoped, you had a plan for this day. And since you gave it to me, and since ultimately you own it, would you help me figure out what doesn't belong in it? What I can, what I can have the courage to say no, and I don't, and... I'm sorry too, since it's your day anyways. What would a follower of God do if they knew their schedule and their life was maxed out and God was the owner of days? What if they invited God to help them decide what was really, really worth living for? Take your Bibles one more time. Ephesians chapter 5. So you're going to go to the back of your Bible, you're going to work to the left, you're going to find this passage. It's Ephesians chapter 5. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians chapter 5. Here's what it says. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Be careful then. Be full of care then. How you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. He goes, look, you, you've got one life to live. You've got, you've got only a certain amount of money. Be careful how you do this. Be careful of what comes in and what doesn't come in. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. He's saying, look, 
You've only got so much you can pack into your schedule. Why not let God help you set that priority? How, how, many, how many people in this room, when your family gets ready to go on a trip, you're the packer, you're the designated packer for your family? Okay, all of you are control freaks, right? Okay. Um, designated packer. So one day when Josh, my son, is little, we're getting ready to go on a family trip. In this moment, my son is a Ninja Turtle fanatic. Okay? He's got everything Ninja Turtle for every birthday, for every graduation, for every Christmas, for every... All he has asked for is Ninja Turtle. He's got Ninja Turtle tanks. He's got Ninja Turtle forts. He's got Ninja Turtle pizza shoes. He's got Ninja Turtle everything. We're going on family trip. So I have the family. They're bringing stuff out. I'm packing it in. Here comes Josh. have to go, Josh, whoa, whoa, wait, wait, we're going for a week in the, there's only so much room here, how much are you bringing out? He goes, everything. I looked at my son and said, look, son, there are things on this trip that are essential, there are things that are important, we're going to put that in first, and then if there's room left over, We'll put in Ninja Turtle stuff. To which my son responded by, you get what scripture's saying here. Be careful. Why not allow God to put into your schedule the things which are essential? And, And the answer is, you may not get all the Ninja Turtle stuff in. You might not. But you'll have margin. You'll have room. You'll have freedom. And maybe more importantly, what is in will matter. If this is time, you and I have got just so much. See, this, this is it. This is what we have. And when you and I are in charge, then you and I have to decide, where do I spend my time? Do I spend my time on things that are eternal, things that God invites me to do? Do I spend my time on good stuff? And guys, good stuff's good. It's fine. I guarantee you, most of us, as we look at our schedule and go, oh, Man, I can't believe I've got that horrible thing in my... Most of us are going, no, no, I'm, I'm doing good stuff. But you know what happens when you and I are in charge, right? Hey, I need to sign my kids up for every single sport, every single season. I know, I know, I know. I know I'm a taxi cab. I get that. I get that there's no room left in my life but it's just for a season because besides, they're learning valuable lessons. It's a good thing. It is. But spend your life on good. 
have so many good things in your life that it crowds out the eternal. I know I'm working a lot of overtime. I get it. I, but here's the deal. It's providing for my family. We, we've had a chance to buy a cabin now so we can go spend time at the cabin, making up for the time that we don't have because I'm working. So it's kind of a good thing, right? Okay. Because you, you, you and I have got a reason for every good thing. I'm going to volunteer here. I'm going to serve there. And what God would say, whoa, 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 whoa. You only got so many of these. And if you'll let me pack, we're going to make sure a couple of them get over here first. We're going to make sure that there's room in your life for this. And then we'll talk about Ninja Turtles. It's okay. You've just got to be something over here. Do you know we've got men in the parking lot who run banks? We've got guys in the parking lot directing traffic who own their own companies. At a first glance, I go, what's a guy like that doing working in the parking lot at church? I mean, doesn't he have more important things to do with his time? Maybe not. Because you get what they're saying every Sunday when they're out there. I got to be sure that something lands over here. You get this as freedom. You get that God finally gets to create room in my life and margin for when He asks. And it's terrifying. Let's bow our heads. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to ask, how's your balloon? Because I guarantee you, some of us walked in this room today, and it is maxed. And if you look at it, it is filled with good stuff. It's filled with a whole list of things that you're not sure how not to do or how you would ever say no or how you would ever back down. And you'd say, Lynn, you just don't understand. You don't. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I get just as scared as you get. I get just as terrified as you get to say no to something good. But what would it mean to go to the one who gave you the day? simply say at the beginning of the day, God, I'm, I just need you to make sure that some of this day ends up in the everlasting, eternal pile. I, I've got to be careful that my life isn't so filled with good things that there's no room for God things in my life. God, if I was honest right now, if you came and asked me to join you to serve here or to help there or aid someone who was hurting, I'd have to ask you to get to the end of the line because there's just no time in my schedule for that. What if the author of days 
was the one who planned our days. Gave us permission to say no to a lot of good stuff. Create margin, create freedom in our lives. Dear Lord Jesus, right now, a bunch of people in this room whose balloons are stretched beyond capacity are running through their hearts and minds a hundred reasons why they can't do this. And yet their hearts know. I'm in trouble. I can't sustain this long term. God, give them the courage to give back to the one who gave them their days. authority to plan their days. Give them the courage to say no to good things in order to make room for eternal things in their life. To have margin that if you came and asked, if you offered the opportunity that our God would not have to go to the end of the line because my schedule couldn't accommodate him. God, may our fear of missing you and missing out on what you've invited us to do be greater than our fear of giving you our time. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.